Jacob, I have a question for you. I am so curious about how your high stakes testing day went. Because <laughs> I know how mine went. <laughs> oh, for people that aren't paying attention to Texas stuff, you know, we had the, what was it? So I, you know what? It, my question is going to be a question back to you and I'll, or my answers. Oh, okay. gonna be, I'm going to answer, <laughs> but I have to ask you a question because I, I want to understand your situation. <laughs> So even though it's my turn to answer, you're about to answer a question. So how okay. how far did y'all get into it before it collapsed? Like were kids into the test, like answering questions, or did it just not work? Well, in my particular, I ended up with all the online students. So the students that had to come from home to my class, and they called me and said that there was a student that was on the way. Could I please wait? So we actually waited in my classroom, but next door, they had started, and I think they got into, I think, you know, probably about 10 minutes into it or 15 minutes into it, and it collapsed. Now, the high schools I hear got into, they start earlier, so I think they were already in an hour or so So when it went down. My response to that is like... What on earth are they? So doesn't that negate the privacy stuff that they have on these tests? Because kids have seen the prompt and seen certain questions. Isn't that anti everything? Or can kids just pick up right where they were? The kids can pick up right where they were. My understanding is it saved where they were. So they don't go back. They just. (laughs) Well, or did it? Because how would they know? Uh... That's what they said. I don't know. My kids didn't get into it. Like, um, well, I called down because that girl was that that student was a bit late, later than what I expected. And I called down, and she goes, "Internet problems." And I went, "No, I'm just wondering where this girl is." <laughs> They're like, "Well, don't even try because we're having internet problems." I'm like, "Okay." So that's so funny. So we had the opposite experience of that to where. Oh, okay. I, uh, we did all on paper. So we were the only middle school in our district. My <laughs> campus was the only middle school that did not choose to do the rollout of the first digital thing. So they're slow for people that don't know, they're slowly moving us in that direction. And they basically said, Hey, you can pilot it now and here's why you know you don't have to do with paper you don't have to scan in answer documents you don't have to do any of that stuff you can just enjoy this digital life and i said heck no i was like we read on paper kids read paper books by and large still we work in craft and draft you and i did a whole episode on why paper was king early on in the podcast <laughs> That's right. and i i, I pr- try to practice what i preach most of the time and uh, so I st- st- stood my ground and this was, this whole process started earlier in the year to where we would do these cur- CBAs, curriculum based assessments for people that don't know. And these are kind of like our district tests. Now we, as teachers, we kind of write our own tests, but we do have some district tests that they use to kind of compare and do all that other stuff. So I was on calls with our coordinator and the other DCs very early on in the year, and they were all just fully on board to this digital life. And I okay. was the I was the sole uh, dissenter 
in this entire conversation from day one. And Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> I know. Well, you know what's so funny though? Okay, because I center. I am always seen as that person. Okay, I'm always seen mm-hmm. as the person that goes against the grain and stuff like that. And it's not even. It's not even something I'm trying to do. I just genuinely think through things, and I'm like, no, I, I, I'm not going to agree just because everyone else agrees. I'm very comfortable being isolated in a big conversation. So we had these huge debates, <laughs> and I eventually won the first one, which was, no, okay, we can do paper CBAs. And then when the star came around, the debate came around again, and luckily I have a principal that values my opinion, and I was like, no, we're not doing digital. And lo and behold, the entire state – Shuts down. Our whole district can't get their star test done, but my campus got our star testing done. We only had 17 kids affected by it, but that's a heck of a lot different than entire grade levels and schools that were affected by it. That is true. That so is true. That was the but difference. You- Ours was as normal as could be. I mean, there were it was like the typical testing stress of everything or whatever. And, you know, mm-hmm. some kids don't know where to go or whatever, but I mean, the day went by, it was normal, there was no hiccups, and we went home. No. <laughs> well, we went home. <laughs> no, you're still there. You're still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to figure it out. Well, we waited for about an hour, and then finally oh we God. get the phone call, because I had all the online kids. So they were like, you need to let them all call home. So they all got to call home and have somebody come pick them up. And anyway, they went to the library, and then... Then you had to scramble because you didn't plan to have that next. Oh, class. I didn't even I didn't even think about kids coming in from because we had kids come in too that were still online. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about what happened to you guys where you had to like send them back home. So I'm sure that was super fun for families that like are working and doing all all the things that they would normally do during that time, which is why they're at home. Well, I had a, a and so now they're supposed to do the test tomorrow, and I am. Uh, well, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> I had already made arrangements to take a day. And I said, well, I'm not going to be there. Not, I mean, but today I had one of my online students show up to my class right when class started. I'm like, uh, I sent an email home to you. She forgot to read it. But she had walked all the way up here. And she's like, do I have to walk back? So I said, well, you have a few zeros. I'll finish these zeros up and then go down to the office. <laughs> so I made it, she at least got her work turned in. <laughs> but um, so funny. no, it's been a crazy, crazy week. And the kids were all kind of, some people were kind of stressed out over it. And today they were, the kids were saying stuff like, oh my gosh, you know, and teachers were, and I'm like, you know, what does it matter really? I mean, really? It's the first time they ever did it. We should have expected that. Or we should have well, done paper. That too. I mean, you would think with the $300 million contract that they have on this thing that they would have enough money to fund the server issues. Here's the thing. This was the small round, right? This is the the small batch of testing. It's going to be 10 times worse in four weeks when we have to do math, English, and all the grades and social studies and science. The the system's going to explode. We'll be the only campus with scores to turn in because we're the only (laughs) one doing paper. Actually, our math department did. Some of them decided to do digital. Some of them decided to do paper. So we'll get – some of our math will be messed up if all of that happens, but most of us will be okay. Uh. Well, you know what? They didn't if listen nobody to else, me. 
Well, if nobody else gets a test in, you are first, second, third, and last. That's right. You I set the bell curve. School. You are the bell curve. <laughs> Which hopefully that helps everything out. But, you know, uh, yeah. so my... Uh, so I have I have one more question because I'm really trying. I wanted to find out like what all happened. So when you, uh, when they said when they finally called it right when they were like this isn't mm-hmm. happening. So what did y'all do? Did y'all just go back to normal schedule and just wing a lesson? Because no, I'm sure no one had lessons ready that day. Right. I mean, I just well, what I did is I said, all right, let's just. I didn't have a lesson. I said. It was more of a let's go look at all of your your you know your grade book and let's see what holes you're missing and I let them make up work and then I let them read and that's the thing about having English and reading is I could say pull up your library books because I had to bring them so we read and responded to our reading and then I let them finish any kind of work that they had not completed. And then after that, I even told them they could complete work in other classes. Because you're right, I didn't have, I didn't really have a lesson for the whole day. And so as far as the schedule goes, we kept the same change in the lunch schedule that was originally kept so that, you know, so our our kids took the last lunch And they took all the online kids who were still left uh, down to the library until their families could come get them. I think to me, the biggest thing is I had, I have, I know why some of my students are choosing to be online and it's due to some difficulties they have socially. I could tell, Um, you know, things like, I don't know, any kind of spectrum, you know what I mean? Uh, yep. with autistic type spectrum, uh, Tourette's, things like that. So uh, those students that I ended up with were a bit stressed. And so I think my biggest role on that particular day was to just stay calm no matter what. So that's pretty much what I did. I took that like, oh, well. And then one of the kids was like, this has been a bad year. This whole year has been bad. This has been a bad I mean, you can tell it was just like. running around the room. It's all on fire. Yeah, it's, it's awful. And I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> We're not going to be talking about how bad things are. We're going to be talking about how things are great now. And he's like, things are great. But today was bad. so he just couldn't get off that so then that stressed somebody else and you can see their their stress level increasing and then their what their um you know things that they do when they get stressed out was starting to happen so I think my role was pretty much to kind of keep them as calm as possible and say hey you know it's just a test it's just a program we have glitches all the time do we not Ms. Ochoa does because her internet doesn't work most of the time these days. So, you know, I mean, we had the whole entire state shut down for five days. Why would this be a surprise? So, you know, that's what you're good at though. You're, you're good at handling these crazy situations. I've seen you do it multiple times. So I'm sure you were right at home. Just being like, well, this is life. This is how we handle things. How it is. Here's a picture (laughs) book. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much it. Let's read, you know, whatever. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, so anyway. at, a, at 12 minutes, we're going to introduce this podcast. This is Craft and Draft. 
with Pam Ochoa, Jacob Chastain. We talk about reading, writing, workshop. We also just talk about the day in, day out of what on earth is happening. And we're in testing season, and y'all know I hate testing season. And it's this season is just special because it's combined with COVID and internet glitches and everything else. So uh, stick around. We're talking about all kinds of stuff. Today we're talking about what PD should look like. And this was inspired by recent events, believe it or not. So kind of wanted to dive into that. What do we think PD should look like? Um, And I'm sure we'll go off on a bunch of tangents from there. But stick around, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Craft and Draft. PD. Okay. PD has been lacking this year. And it's understandable. It's covid Right? There's everything's right. closed. You can't go to conferences. It took a long time for people to start doing digital conferences that you see kind of advertised on Facebook and whatnot. And there's there's a lot of those these days, but just doesn't it doesn't feel the same. They're all, you know, some of them are free, some of them are paid. It's kind of like, you know, whatever. You know, the one thing I've learned about like online PD a lot of the time is it's very surface level. It's like, you know, it's one of the reasons why, like, I like Twitter chats. I know you don't, haven't done Twitter chats at all, but like, you know, jumping on a oh, Twitter chat. I have chat, done them. I'm have just you? not very fast. Yeah, I'm just, it's just sometimes the, it's like, we're, I'm still trying to think about question two. We've moved to question seven. I'm like, ah, yeah. oh, never well, mind. It's, so I usually watch them being read. They yeah, I, they're interesting, and I like going through them. And, you know, Mary Howard does her good to great chat every Thursday Yeah, I night. look at hers. Mm-hmm. Um, I and, yeah, and there's great people. And sometimes I jump in, and Dave Burgess, uh, they do Teach Like a Pirate chat, T-Lap chat, and Lead Lap chat, and all that stuff. And I, I like reading it, and I've connected with a lot of educators through those things. But it's all, it's all very self-congratulatory almost because you're trying to – write something that catches people so you get a bunch of retweets and likes and you want to say this and that but it doesn't trying to say something that gets you a lot of attention on social media isn't good pd you know what i mean like it's mm-hmm. it's trying to get attention is not where good professional development goes and i'm saying that right now i'm like this is this is i'm i'm finally vocalizing why i don't like these things and i feel like a shoulder's coming off of me or a, a boulder a weight is coming a off boulder's me because coming, a weight off is coming off your shoulder yeah not my shoulders but the <laughs> You know, and they're like they're not horrible, but it's just there's something strange about it. And this is this is kind of taken to the digital side of like, uh, you know, just trainings that have happened on social media and stuff like that. And you have people in the comments just being very raw, raw, and that's fine. But I think real professional development goes when you when you're able to sit at a table with educators. And your your perception changes because of the side conversations or you have work time with other educators and you get to hear how they do things or you get challenged by someone that might disagree with you in person that might, you know, it just happens differently in those organic settings. And there's just a lot of cool things that come from that. And uh, thinking about PD, you know, we just did a we had a makeup day, so to speak, of PD and it was all online Uh and every training all year has been online. The majority of the training at the beginning year that we got was all about how to run Canvas and <laughs> uh, oh, make yeah. make buttons with HTML code and do all of those things. But I'm like, what is this? I was like, thank God I know what I'm doing as a teacher. But what is? how is this helping new teachers? And then we sat through a training. You know, a lot of the trainings that we did recently 
they were they were okay. A lot of pre-made videos. You made one yourself, which was very nice. But then Thank there you. was some that were less good and less stellar. And I just got me thinking. I was like, you know, what is – it's easy to sit back and go, you know, this PD sucks or whatever. It's easy to be a naysayer. It's easy to bring down something. But it's harder to build something. So my question to you – and I want to explore because you, you've run tons of PDs is what what sets good PD apart from bad PD to you? Like what is it? And I guess we could take this from a presenter standpoint and a participant because you've run far more professional developments than I have. Um, mm-hmm. So I, you have a, a deep insight on both sides of these things. So you, we can take it from whatever angle you want at first and then we can just go from there. Well, when I'm thinking about creating a professional development, because I've done conferences and I've done long three week, you know, 15 day institutes. And, you know, so I've had them long term where I have them eight hours every day. Well, you know, you have lunch breaks, but a good seven hours every day for 15 days uh, in the summer when nobody wants to be there. So I've done those kinds of things. So I think, first of all, you mentioned it got to be changing in some way. It's got to change the thinking of the individual in some way. So you you really want to create something that's going to, you know, A, help them in their craft. And you need to get them thinking about their craft, right? And you, I, I think you need to create um, professional development that's really grounded in action research, but also grounded in theoretical research and so a lot of times I like to take an argument and see how far back that particular situation has gone um, who created the original research on it you and I've gone back and forth on that I don't think that's what you're going to teach the people but I think you need to know that if so I think you need to as a presenter you need to know at least 75 percent more than what you're probably going to even present so the more you know, the more you can handle those questions. And I think it needs to have an interactive approach to it where the people can participate. And in that participation, they learn how to actually do what it is you're trying to teach them to do. And then I think you need to have a nice feedback at the end so that you get feedback so that you'll know what you need to do to improve or continue. There's probably more to that, but that's what's on the top of my head right now. Well, and I think, I think a lot of that's good. And this is where, you know, I really despise going to like technology trainings because a lot of them are bad. Like the majority of them are because it's like, yeah, you go, you go to these technology sessions and it's someone just telling you like a bunch of programs and, you know, a lot of them are cool and useful, but that's all it is. It's just a laundry list of stuff. And like, okay, now go play with them. And then you play with them for 30 minutes and then your session's done or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just despise those because they don't really do much. Uh, but I've, you know, the, the I think the best ones I've been to, you know, off the top of my head, you know, Kagan was probably the very first training I ever went to where... Very interactive. Yeah, very interactive. You move, you do the structures, they walk you through uh, the basic structures, and then you do them, and then you read about them, and then you watch variants of them, and then you experiment with them, and it's it puts you into this whole mindset of like, what would this be like in my classroom? What could I do? Right. And it's, 
it's it's good in the sense that it gets you it gets you thinking about application, but they also in the Kagan train they tell you why this works. You know, why letting kids talk before they share is useful and and how all of that kind of works together. And so it does elevate a little bit. I know I've done, you know, in the presentations that I've done, I usually try to put my research mm-hmm. in there that I know of because the having that research is I feel like even if the the audience doesn't want to go dive into it, it at least verifies everything that you're saying, right? It's something mm-hmm. that if they wanted to dive into it, they can. But if not, then they can take your word for it that it's good research and that it supports what you're actually saying. So I I don't know. I also I feed a lot off of the presenters though too. Like I'm an entertainer just by trade, I feel like. So when I have someone that comes on a presentation and they say, you know, I quit teaching because I was burnt out. And now I do these presentations because I was just so tired teaching. <laughs> My first response it mentally is, <laughs> why on earth are you te- Why are you here? Go do something else. I don't want to learn from someone who hates teaching. Like, I just don't have time for it. I've seen, I've set through a few of those. That's funny. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, my God. And it's. You know, it's, that's the worst is when the person doing it is just, they're working for a company. They used Mm. to be a teacher or they taught for like a year and now they, they're off selling products to teachers. And I see a lot of these people, unfortunately, because of teach me teacher, they reach out to me and they're like, I was a teacher for five years. Now I work and sell this program. And it's like, ah, you don't don't do programs. I recall. I really don't. And, you know, I'm not against all of them. And I will I will push the ones that I think are useful for people that want to use them. But I just get a lot of those. So I have a, an, a special disdain for it. But well, I don't know. So let's let's flip the script just for a second. So what was there ever a PD that you did that went horrible? Like you were just like, oh, my God, this is so boring. The people here hate this. Like, like. <laughs> There was a geography, you know, because I presented for National Geographic, too. But I was I got thrown in with with some people and I thought that I was, you know, I probably had the most uh, I felt like I had the most presentable, uh, you know, presentation type experience. So I was going to handle it. But um, anyway, I think I was too cocky and I think I blew it. Does that make sense? And so I didn't work with my team. I was probably around, I would say, 30 years old. I was probably about your age, actually, at the time. And um, I misunderstood what they wanted to do. And everybody just stared at us. And we were also supposed to be presenting technology, and it didn't work. And, And it was like their internet wasn't strong enough to do what National Geographic wanted us to show. And then I also didn't have enough of that knowledge that I was talking about. I thought I did, but I guess I didn't. And so I got up there and I froze. It was not my, you know, now I've done geography presentations that were great, but this particular one had the technology component to it. And then everybody had their way of thinking how to fix it. And I disagreed with them. And (laughs) anyway, everybody, this whole, I just remember that whole room of people just stared at us. 
then then they started talking to each other and it was like we were up there trying to present and nobody was listening it was horrible i don't ever want to do that again <laughs> so, That's so funny. that was probably that was probably um you know how you you know you're you're better after you fall that was that was the pride the what the fall after the pride or whatever that all of a sudden i can't think but Anyway, that's how it was. Like I am right now, just kind of stumbling, and it did not go well. It's a weird experience when you get mm-hmm. in front of people sometimes. Like, and there, there's a vibe in a room, and anything. Well, and different, and different groups. It's just like your classroom. Different groups of people mm-hmm. have different, um, you know, classroom. Like you said, atmosphere. I remember one time there was a person that she was an older lady. She, I think, was told that she had to be there by her principal. And this was one of those 15 days. I was going to have her for 15 days. Here's what she did. And I don't know if she's, I don't even know if she's still alive. I mean, because that was like, what, 25 years ago? So we're talking a long time ago. But anyway, I think she wasn't, she was just told she had to be there, I guess. And so she did not appreciate PD at all. Plus one she was told she had to be at during the summertime for three weeks straight, Monday through Friday. And so she got there. Here's what she would do. She would get into the, you know, we had a nice little place where everybody could share. And she would sit down and she would take her coffee and set it out. You could just see her getting all ready for the day, had everything. Now, she wasn't getting out her notebooks and pens. Just to make that clear. She was getting out things, that magazines and newspapers, and her coffee, and her snacks, and then we would start talking, and she waited until we started talking, hello everyone, good morning, and then she would take her paper, open it up, do the little shake, (laughs) (laughs) fold it over, right when we started talking, and then she would like, like almost put her feet up and start, and start reading, (laughs) Her newspaper. She did this every day. <laughs> oh my god! So anyway, it was funny. That's what well, wasn't funny to me, but it was funny. Now that I think back on it, it's like, oh well, what does it matter? But I don't think she got anything out of that. So I think if you're going to go to a professional development, I think you need to go with the intention, even if your principal makes you do it. Go with the idea that you're at least find one thing that you can change or do in your classroom. You know what? I have two stories to add to that. What is your story? (laughs) All right. So stories about accepting your PD. So two came to mind. One was more recent and one was older. So the more recent one is when Get Your Teach On came to Dallas. Uh, You know, it was like this huge event. There's like, you know, thousands of teachers there. It's some of the biggest names in education. You know, they're like the rock stars of the educational community. It is, it's like a concert. I mean, it's huge. And there was teachers there like in the halls, just like sitting and look, we would talk to them like, yeah, you know, my district paid for me to come here. I don't feel like listening to them right now. You know what I mean? And just like super, super not into like this cult that get your teach on kind of is. Um, So that was really shocking. But another one was when my, the Kagan training I went to the very first one, maybe, one of them. I don't know. I've been twice or three times. Uh, we went with some new teachers, and it's like a four-day training. 
And on the second day and the third day, the two two other teachers we went with totally just like bailed halfway through the day and just like went out to eat and stuff like that. They ended up getting in a lot of trouble. Oh. They uh, they didn't get their jobs back either. So, but this oh, well, there you go. But this whole idea, you know, it's like yeah. I mean, I, I imagine principals can assign crappy training sometimes, but you know, I think like. I don't know. Like, I guess I've, I don't know. I see. I don't even sympathize with like the emotion of not wanting to get PD. I get being reluctant. If someone tells you to go to something, because I honestly rebel anytime someone tells me to do anything at first, but like I genuinely accept, okay, they want me to go to like this professional about like they, the district made us do that when we were learning guided reading, which is where I have my hilarious quote from you, which is we're all super tired doing these stupid guided reading training. <laughs> they weren't dumb. They were actually fairly useful in the, in the long run, but I didn't want to be there a lot of the time. And we, and it was also a weird time where they were trying to make middle school look like This really structured elementary classroom, and I was not having any of that. That never came to pass, luckily, but that was the route we were going down for a while. But we were standing in this circle. We they jigsawed like this section of the guided reading book, and it was like just parts of the guided reading session or whatever. And you were like, (laughs) you know, I don't remember exactly the quote, but it was like you were talking about just like guided reading, or like you know, guided reading. It's the heart of a reading workshop without it, you'll die. And it was just like, <laughs> you said it with like this deadpan voice and I might just crack me up. I just, it was so funny. It was the exact humor I needed in that moment because I was like, yeah, we would all die if we didn't have guided reading in our classroom. That's right. <laughs> but in any case, so you have, I don't know. There, there's so much. So I, I don't know. So what is it? What if, you know, this is something that we kind of have to think about too, because we do want to do some craft and draft trainings and, you know, right. once we get things going and I'm sure this, the comments we make on this episode will come back to haunt us if we ever do a bad. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> so walk careful here, but I've what is it? There. I mean, when we go to, I don't know, like what is to, for, let's, let's speak specifically about like, uh, you know, teaching or trainings on workshop and stuff like that. What is it, what makes a good training on reading, writing workshop? Do, do you think it, cause I feel like part of the problem is you don't know, unless you pre, unless you have a specific definition for what you're doing or some type of pre-screener, you don't know the types of teachers you're getting. You might be getting, you know, 20 year teachers that have been in workshop forever and they just need a refresher. You might be getting tons of new teachers who don't know a lot of the terms that people just kind of throw around in workshop. Cause there is building blocks to like how advanced of a workshop you're doing, you know, how authentic is it? Right. How, what's your restrictions uh, and everything else in between. So uh, is there a, like for Abydos, for instance, do you pre-screen stuff or do you just assume anyone at level one in Abydos writing that they're just new to Abydos? Um, I think you're just assuming that they're new to Abydos, probably. Uh, the reason is, um, I guess it's just a, it's an entire institute. And for the most part, uh, most everybody hasn't. I mean, they just never have done it. Now, when you start doing other things, spinoffs off of it, then... Uh, in the past, when I first started, you couldn't do a spinoff unless you had the whole thing. So you almost had to have the full 15 days. It's no longer 15 days. It's 
just a few days have been knocked off of that. But at, at, when we first started, it was 15 days, Monday through. Friday. Well, and they do that with uh, Kagan too. Like you can't go to certain sessions unless you've been to like the general Kagan, I believe. I might be wrong. So someone might correct right. me on and, that. But I'm pretty sure that's how that about, is. Yeah. And the thing about uh, the Avidos is we start um, – we start in in a in a particular order so that uh it it moves in uh, very simplistic just getting them started to a more advanced getting yourself published um type of of uh, movement and so you don't want to start at the published part just like in kagan you don't want to start with some of the more advanced uh, concepts. So they want you first starting with this round robin, you know, the real simple concepts. How do you set up a group? You know, those types of things, because if you're already over here with advanced groups and you don't know how to set up a group, then there's no, that, that it's not going to help you. So you do have to think, is there a hierarchy and a prerequisite type thing that you need in order to complete? you know, one step into the next. So I do think it is something you need to consider. Now, I have been in several where you don't know where they're coming from. And so if that's the case, then I think I think what you have to do as a presenter is be ready to enter um, into your uh, program at very, you know, varied rates. So if you need to start at the base, you need to build that in. But if you don't need it, then you have enough that you can move everybody. So a nice little survey at the beginning, uh, find out where everybody is. A lot of times what we do like in Abydos, it's not, it's not that they've been through it. It's um, what grade level are you at? Because what we want to do mentally is we want to make sure that we tailor it where, I mean, it's a K through 12, actually K through adult uh, program. But uh, if that's the case, if we have all K teachers and that's all we have, then there's no need to be moving on extremely high. You want to make sure that whatever you do can be applicable in their classroom. And I think that's important for a teacher. And that's the problem with your technology. My problem with the technology things is they're all like, let's try it, try it, try it. Now I get to my classroom and guess what? My, I'm not on the round yet. I'm not on the round of all the computers. Actually, my school won't be on uh, getting all their computers for another five years. So why did I need to know that? I mean, that's that's the problems I have. So by the time I get the capability of doing what they taught me, I've already forgotten what it was they taught me. So I think it needs to be applicable for their... I, I think a true good uh, PD is something that they can take from that class and then in the next day, the very next day, they can do something, at least one thing from your presentation the very next day. And if they can't, then I think you've done them a disservice. Well, and it's, I don't know, you know, I've always been, I've seen quite a few people present over the years and quite a bit of people who I really enjoy. And I'm always interested in just kind of the styles, you know, I think it's like you can kind of split presenters Mm -hmm. and I'm specifically talking about English presenters here. Um, into like two main categories, which is you have your presenters who want to like kind of fling philosophy and argument at you, meaning like show you like, Hey, this is what we should be doing and kind of the more philosophical side of things. And then you have like almost more practical, 
uh, you do things with them. Ironically enough, I have seen Penny Kittle and Kelly Gallagher present two different times at two different situations, and they did both. Like they did one of them was more of a philosophical, this is how we should be doing things. And the other one was very much a more interactive one. Mm -hmm. And so I think some of that might be time constraint, you know, if a presenter is only there for an hour versus, you know, three hours or four hours. Um, Go ahead. I think that's the problem with that pre-recorded video. I could have done a whole lot more in my video, but I had 50 minutes. And not only that, I didn't have an interactive group. I had, so I had to figure out, what questions they were going to maybe ask me. And hopefully I hit all of it within that time frame. Yeah. You have to standardize your responses because you have to hit the, the greatest, uh, Mm-hmm. diameter or whatever of, of people. And that limits your ability to actually go deep on anything. Right. You know, there's businesses out there that make, and like there's educational people that I know that do, you know, they make like these courses. So like, you know, if we were to do this, it'd be like craft and draft workshop.com. And you go there and you can, Hey, 20 bucks and you get access to this level of courses and it's watching videos and you can interact. And I'm like, mm-hmm. some of that stuff seems fine from a business standpoint, but from a, a pure like that. I wouldn't want to set up PD that I wouldn't myself like. And to me, I feel like you know if you're going to do stuff like that, just do it online. Just set up a way for people to either free or uh, pay to and be a part of it. And even if it's only a handful of people, I think having just the live format and being able to talk, even if it is online, is so much more valuable than pre-recorded videos and stuff like that. I, I know why pre-recorded happens. It's obvious why people do that, you know, in digital worlds, but it's also like, I don't know. I think if we, if you have to do that, you have to add something, not a discussion board because no one on the planet loves discussion boards. <laughs> yeah, they're going to, they're going to reply just with the bare minimum just so they can have their name up there. Yeah, you get and the then credit. it's, and yeah, get their credit. And then, they're going to look through and they're going to say, oh, I agree with that one. I agree. And then that's their second reply. And then they're going to look for somebody else and they might say, hey, Donna, how are you doing? I agree with that too. And then that's it. That's what you're going to get. And you might have one person that's going to do an expansive reply. And that's that person that loves to read all those books and do all the, I mean, they're at every PD they've ever gotten their hands on and they have a lot of ideas. You know, and I like that many. I like uh, I like what we did with that one that we did. We had like a fifty minute session or whatever back when we called Craft and Draft POJC, which was a, oh, a yes. jail Peanut name apparently. Uh huh. <laughs> which you took forever to realize that was Pam Ochoa and Jacob Chastain. I didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> Regardless. Of bad names chosen. We did. Wasn't that the one where I gave away books that I had from high? Oh yeah. Now a nice giveaway is always happy. See, that was, that was fun. Cause we were the, I did 100%. We were the only ones who have done giveaways like that, uh, in a training for our district. No one else does that. And it was just fortunate that, you know, I have ends with Heinemann so I can get books and do giveaways, but that was fun. We even had a small little group. I bet when they walked away and were like, Ooh, they gave away books in ours. I bet they're like, dang, we should have went to that session, but we only oh, had yeah, one that day. So, or maybe we had two. Do we have one or two? I don't remember. We had one or two people. No. Or one or two many, sessions. Yeah. I think we had two. 
Because we had, because yes. we gave away one pick in one and another pick in the other, and we only had two people. No, I'm kidding. That's right. Only two people came. No, it was, no, it was it, good. It was packed. It was packed. I recall yeah. the whole classroom was packed, and we had people on the floor. Yeah, and they were coming in and checking stuff out. But that was, but we even made that interactive. You know, we we never talked for longer than a few minutes at a time. We let That's them right. interact. We let them explore our documents and ask questions during those times while we were kind mm-hmm. of walking around. And I think like even if like we were in like a like when I was at Todd Nesloni's share your story thing like a year ago, over a year ago in January, before COVID kind of took over. I think it was oh, like a yeah. room of 200 people or so and 200, like it doesn't sound like that much, but having 200 people around you, it's quite a bit. Like when I was oh. done speaking, the, you know, tons of people came up and they wanted to say hi and share their stories and talk about the presentation and stuff. And it was, that's how the one thing that was, that was like a keynote. So that was me just talking. It really wasn't a workshop, but in, if that was a workshop, the way I would have flipped it is I would have talked for way less um, but then moved around and mingled with people and talked as it was going. And that's, those are the ones I like when like the speakers move around and they, they kind of, it's like a workshop, right? It's literally like mm-hmm. they set a task to you and they mingle and answer questions and it gives you time to kind of breathe. You're not just having a hyper focus. You get to interact. I think that, that catch and release thing is like, we do it in class and I think it just works in the workshop format. So like in terms of me thinking about like when I go to, when I go to a, a workshop that's trying to, uh, or a PD that's trying to teach me how to teach English better. Like I want to experience somewhat of what I'll experience like in the class, you know, like the Abbott, the reading Abydos thing. Like I love that training because we got to read for like 45 minutes every day. (laughs) That was was the best. Well, we believe in reading, so we did it. Well, um, you made me think of, of um, you know, my, my son would call it death by PowerPoint. And that is what I don't want to do. And I'm not good at PowerPoint. I'm, I'm, I can create them. That's not the issue. But I'm not good at going back over there and, you know, and reading the slides. But when they have to start reading all the slides, I just think that's um, that's ridiculous. And I've been in places, well, you know, I was getting my master's at one point, and uh, they they were into death by PowerPoint. I mean, every time we had to create or present something that we had learned, we had to do it by PowerPoint, right? So there I made this wonderful PowerPoint. You know, I'm not used to using it. I'm used to having the people go. So here I am presenting my material to my college class, right, my graduate class, and I am walking up and down the aisles exactly what you're talking, because that's what I do. I just do that. Walking up and down the aisles, I've even got manipulatives for them to kind of play around with, and, you know, and I, they create something, and it's all about the the product, and not the product, but the, you know, concept, and then I turn around, and I realize I did not flip through one slide. <laughs> it was still on the very first slide, and I was finished. And I was like, oh my gosh, part of my, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, my grade, I'm going to fail because I didn't flip through the PowerPoint. So then I walked back up there and I went, recap. <laughs> I went through and said, remember, we did this and I hit the PowerPoint. 
I used it as a recap. And I said, that's what, you know, and then I ended it. Well, when I got my grade, they said, well, since you didn't turn the slides, there was one thing we know, you knew your material because I had not read one slide, but you know, everybody was interactive and they all enjoyed it. And I think they learned more rather than me standing up there and reading my script. Um, so I do think I like interactive more as well. You know, as a presenter and as a, yeah. as a, uh, a participant. Well, and I've done a lot of the AP trainings that, you know, down here in Texas, you know, they have them at U UTA, UT, TCU, mm -hmm. stuff like that. I usually go to the TCU one cause I want to feel fancy. But when I go to the like TCU, like even them, like some of them will just talk and then some of them are really interactive. Like there's this one, um, I forget her full name. Her last name's Wooly Larea. And I will never forget that because it's such an interesting name. And I've mm -hmm. like, sometimes when she presents, like I'll just sit in her stuff all day, um, which I'm surprised I've never reached out to her on the podcast. I should probably do that at some point. Maybe you like, should. She's like a trainer that I just know because I've sat in her stuff so many times. But she, her stuff is so interesting and engaging. And there was another teacher who did that. And like she would bring us together and we would have like these really nerdy conversations about books and the hero's journey and stuff like that. And then it was just really that stuff is, is, is like lean into the, the dork nature of your student or teachers. Like, it's like, we're all English teachers. You know, the, the majority of us love books and, and we have opinions about all kinds of things. We're a very opinionated crowd. So like get us talking and debating a little bit. And that's, I think, uh, I think that's great PD, um, is to kind of get people engaged with interacting with someone that might not agree with everything that they have to say. And then you have a good yeah. conversation going you can talk about the nuances of situations. Um, but it would be like me to, at the end of an episode about PD go, you know what, let's just have a PD where we debate each other like that. <laughs> <laughs> For people who don't know, well, I'm like a, I'm a political junkie. Me. Yeah. I'm a, I love, <laughs> I love all things politics, by the way, this is totally off topic. You know how hard it is to get politicians onto a podcast? I think it's impossible. I, I have reached out to so many because I'm trying. I'm on this crusade to try to talk to people who can speak to oh, like about school. How to, well, school and like how to initiate change. Like we we complain about schools all the time, but I'm like, okay, so how do you advocate? What do you, who do you go to? Do you talk to politicians? Do you talk to the Gates Foundation, which has their hands in politics or education? Do you like who do you go to? And uh, you know what? can't get an answer it's like they're trying to hide how to fix things that we don't like i don't know <laughs> but that's for another podcast ladies and gentlemen that we're gonna, another podcast we have to close it out right here you guys this is the craft and draft podcast where pam ocho and jacob chastain myself talk about reading and writing workshop everything under the sun talk about our experiences in real world classrooms and here i'm gonna give you a, a hint at things to come but i'm not gonna tell you what's to come there's some changes happening that I think you guys are to be interested in. It's going to shape. I think it's going to potentially reshape this podcast to some degree about how Pam and I approach some of these conversations. But you're going to have to wait to see what that announcement's going to be because we can't we can't jump the gun because you know what happens when you jump the gun in education. Things change. Things alter. You never know. But. Stay tuned, you guys, because excitement's coming. If you like this podcast, hit subscribe. We release one every single Friday. Leave a review. Share with your team. Join us over there on the Facebook page, Craft the Draft. Visit us at craftthedraftworkshop.com. DM us for questions to be answered if you have any, or 
just to say hi. Sometimes we like to say hi. But for everything else, let you know that we are here for you.